it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. It's pre-season preview time and we're heading south. We're going to serve. I'll cut that bit. Um, oh my we God, we're turn- glad we're not actually showing the video of that. What was that meant to be? It was like some Harlem shuffle gone wrong. <laughs> it, was, it was meant to be the old Do South theme tune, but it wasn't particularly accurate. Uh, and other than the words due south right we turn our attentions this week to the south divisions uh as we continue the build-up to the 2023 nfl season joining me to do that i have paul mitchell gordon mcginnis and returning back once again is a renegade master wouldn't say renegade master <laughs> or like s- stressed and overworked father i think is probably the way to go but yeah. you know what has happened to, happened to me today? I got a flat tire on a car that I've been given by the garage as a courtesy car. So here's the question: <laughs> What do you do? I'm going to throw this out to the listeners. What do you do when you get a flat cut tire on a courtesy car that you're not actually paying for? Uh, walk. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. That's really, really constructive. <laughs> The last time I had a courtesy car, Charles, I went back to get my own car, which had had a bit of work requiring, uh, and it was on a tyre. And I went back, and the guy handed me the keys, and I went to my car, went back to see him. I said, my tyre looks fabulous. Thank you very much. When are you going to fix my windscreen? Uh, it had been hit by a golf ball by a nearby course, and they'd taken such great due care and attention, they hadn't even noticed when they were changing the tyre. Anyway, enough of all this and Cameron <laughs> trying to sing due south. Let's let's talk about let's talk about the south. Last year won by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with an amazing eight and nine record. Three other teams all on seven and ten. Cameron this is one of these divisions that you could take all four. You could reverse the order from last year and you wouldn't be surprised. And the, the NFC South is, I think we maybe slightly touched on this last time. If we didn't, I thought about it. Um, the NFC South is probably one of the more fascinating divisions um, because genuinely there's a couple of contenders and it's not because anybody's great. It's because everybody's still a bit pish. Uh, and it's going to be a race to be the least worst, I think, in this division. Um, the exception that you have to put there is that the the Saints are probably in prime position. Derek Carr, a new home for him, new place to go play his football. It's he's got a lot of assets there, uh, and therefore probably the best setup for success is the Saints. But with a new quarterback, there's always been a lot of question marks about Derek Carr. I'm a fan. There's a lot of people think he's not up to it. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that story develops. He's and exactly he's which week as well. Looking hench. You've not seen the pictures of him. He's no. bulked up. Oh. Bulked up. Yeah, he, added, he looks the part. Yeah. yeah, he he's added some serious muscle. But they've also added a better cast. So the defense, Gordon, was fifth overall last year, but they've added Jarvis Landry, Foster Moreau, Jamal Williams. They've restructured the contract with Michael Thomas along with a quarterback who can potentially throw the ball, um, they do look a better offense. And if the one that I'm going to hate myself for saying this, because I never believe anything that comes out of camp, but 
everything out of Saints camp at the moment appears to be quite positive. I think they're on paper they're definitely the best team, the most complete team as well. The, the thing I find most interesting is so I think you should expect a big year from Chris Olave in year two. He looked really good last year. And what I'm really interested to see is the running back situation after Alvin Kamara comes back because there was a it was just like a one-off tweet from a fantasy writer, but it was that if Kendry Miller, is that the, the guy from TCU they took in the third round? Yeah. The running back they took in TCU in the third round. If he gets a decent run early in the season, this fantasy writer wasn't sure that Alvin Kamara would have a full-time role in that backfield when he came back. And then it could just become this kind of three-headed monster. I don't believe that for a second, just purely no, because the upside. Your, your opinion on running backs is invalid. Thanks to has been has been pointed out by uh, one of our listeners in the in the WhatsApp group. Listen, pointed out that you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to running backs. When I start listening to one of our listeners, then it's time to wind up this podcast. You should listen. To I all stand of by are, everything are, I said. These are. Are you trying to alienate paying, everybody else again? These are paying listeners, and I'm not just saying that because this person said that my analysis was better than yours. Should <laughs> should take should take this opportunity to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by the Sipping Point, hosted by Cameron Hobbs. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to that, please do. Oh, the self-indulgence nature Please of this podcast do. is unbelievable. What else is this a vehicle for other than for us to you, self-indulge? T- tell well, me this, Cameron. Have you managed to uh, get your new podcast, um, uh, a, a very famous whiskey sponsor that happens to be involved in another podcast involved? No, I've not got uh, any not gone down that road yet. yet. I didn't, I'm, I'm intentionally not getting a whiskey sponsor for that one. because I, Even it though it's a whiskey podcast, which would because maybe it would make result, sense. But it would result in bias. Um, I... I want to be able to have people on that podcast drink a whiskey and say what they think, much like this podcast. I'm not going to be sponsored by the Jets because we want to be able to slag off the Jets. We don't work with the NFL UK because we want to highlight that once again, they've posted a load of old tripe um, today before the uh, England women's semi-final game against Australia. And we've got both countries in uniforms of NFL. Who gives a shit? And it's got nothing to do with the fact that it's women's football. It's the same with the Man City Man United game and all that crap. Bugger you've, off. You've gone down a completely dark alley here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let's let's get off the NFL UK social account and running backs for Cameron. We'll let him take another swig over. I, 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 I don't actually I don't whether Kamara gets a full run at her or not, I don't think it makes any difference, to be honest. No, it, it I doesn't. think they're still an extremely good team. Um, in in the context of that division, I think they're be- I think they're going to be better than many people think they are. And if if Mitchell wants to downplay it, then he's welcome to do so. But on paper, I think they should be getting ten or eleven wins because if they are playing in a division that's weak, you should be looking to go five and one in that division. I mean, if, if the Panthers are you know re- completely rebuilding from scratch, and I think they'll probably be okay. Tampa Bay have got Baker Mayfield at quarterback, so. That sums that, it up. That that's the wild card, though. Right? Total like, wild card. Because because he looked. Like good Russell on... Gage has just been done for the season, apparently. Yeah. So he but he looked good in the preseason opener. Like if he plays like that again this week, then that competition's done. Kyle Trask's not in the frame there, and if like they have a good enough defense that if Baker is like like he was in his first two seasons in the league, then they pose way more of a threat than. Anyone, I, I, anyone, including me, is giving them credit for it. I, 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 I look agree. 
I look at it and I think that the, the only team that can touch New Orleans is Atlanta. And the thing about Atlanta that's interesting is they've now got there was a year three of Arthur, Arthur Smith and they are set to be the best running team in the league, arguably. And it matters not a jot. I, it matters not a jot, you say. However, I think one of those, you know, they've also got two, potentially three good receivers out there. And I think that the issue is, have they got half a defence? Because their defence has stunk for years. If they've got a defence that can at least keep up with the offence, um, the, the offences that they play, I think Atlanta can cause a lot of problems. And Atlanta were pretty frisky last year, and I think got to seven and eight and then fell away at the end. I think Atlanta will be good. and I think that, But I, the other two, I don't think will be anywhere near. Well, I'll come to that in a second. Falcons, 27th in total defence last year, 23rd against the run, 25th against the pass. They were the third best running attack. So when your defence is so crap, Gordon, what do you do? You draft a running back. It doesn't really make sense to me. No, and I don't don't like panning that move because I think it was by far the most fun fit for Bijan Robinson in the draft. Because their offensive line's really good, um, but I mean, even not including the defense, they should probably have been looking at a quarterback. They they should have probably been trying to move up in the draft. Like but we Carolina. don't we, we don't know what Ritter's going to do, and this is the thing. But, um, but, that, but that's exactly genuine, why, right? Like you it, don't you don't know. There's nothing, they 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 there's seem to be pretty shown. confident with them, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they were confident at the end of last season that mm. he was better than Marcus Mariota. I don't know that that's a. It's not much of a level, even though course. even though um, that's a guy that. Um, obviously Paul would have loved to have had on his team last year, but um, it's, you know, I, you know, from what we've seen of Ritter, Ritter could be a, a perfectly serviceable sort of 10 to 20 level quarterback in, in, in the league. You know, he, I think there's no reason why he can't produce wins for them. And I you've look- got two good receivers there in London and Pitts who are big guys who are going to get jump balls, who are going to make plays. I will say some of the players that they added on the Atlanta defense, I do actually quite like. So Caden Ellis, I thought was pretty good last year. Jesse Bates was good in um, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, he was excellent. A- AJ uh, Terrell's a good cornerback as well. And then I really like the Clark Phillips guy they added um, in the draft in the fourth round out of Utah. He was good. So like, if their defense getting to fifteen to twenty, Jeff Kuda's still I, I young enough see. as well. Like Jeff Kuda's a player. I've... He's done for think? the season. He, oh, is he? he went down, yeah. yeah. Sure, oh, I didn't see that. Sure, he's right. done for the year. Yeah, he went down. All right, okay. You've, never mind. you've still got Jesse Bates, and uh, you know they are Mike Hughes in the in the. So they took uh, Onyemata from the Saints. Always good to take something off one of your rivals. But Cameron, I mean, when you've got the third best running attack in the league, they run the ball fifty five, fifty six percent of the time. Did they really need somebody else to cloud that up? I mean, in, in their defence, I suppose that they have gone out and got better defenders elsewhere, but not convinced. So, I like the, I w- we'll disagree about this loads and loads and loads, but there are certain, there's definitely certain players that are running backs that do an awful lot more than are just running backs. Uh, and they can become an asset on offense. It's a, there's a lot of hype about it being the best overall player at any position in the draft. And they've gone and got them, whether they need them or not is questionable. It's whether or not they see this year as actually a win year or not. Um, 
And I'm not sure that they do because they've got a, a brand new quarterback that we haven't seen play before. So this is this is part of a rebuild. So they've now filled that piece. I don't know. I think if you're Arthur Smith, you've got to win this year. You've got to get a winning record. This is your third you year as head need coach. To get a winning record, but, yeah. but that's partly possible should, because of the division no, that you're in as well. You, 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 you sat on this podcast last week and said the NFC compared to the AFC stinks. I think we do that only by looking and comparing the quarterbacks. And yes, it's a quarterback-driven league, but at the end of the day, there's seven teams that go into the playoffs. I don't see if you're Atlanta, you're targeting the playoffs. I think you're you're thinking right. We've got something going here. That, the FC, I, I if it is weak, I don't think there's any reason why they can't be in the playoffs. That so that's the difference uh, between the two conferences is mm. that what one right at the very top, but also in that six seven seed range, there's realistically probably only God, probably only Arizona who you would say right now, okay, they're not they're not even in contention for that seven seed. The rest of the NFC realistically is in with a shout. It's that this division, though, it wouldn't surprise you if any one of these four teams won it. So let's come mm, on. No, to... No, it would. So, like, would it, which I... team would surprise you, Gordon? Oh, so, oh sorry, time. sorry. I thought you meant it wouldn't surprise. So, like, it, so I, I'll, I will be reasonably surprised if anyone other than the Saints win this division. Now, I think the, uh, I think the other three teams have a kind of wild card aspect about them. So it's, you know, if Baker can be halfway competent, I think the Bucks can be better than we think. Atlanta, if Ridder's halfway competent, you know, the other stuff around them kind of looks okay. The Panthers, if Bryce Young is the Joe Burrow uh, level rookie, then they can surprise everyone. But the Saints overall, I think, are too complete to to make it not a surprise. Like, in terms of at the start of the season, four or five weeks in we might change our opinion when we see how those other quarterbacks look but heading into the season knowing what we know about them all I I mean would it, would anyone here place a burger bet on anyone other than the Saints to win that division because I wouldn't so I, I wouldn't but let me give you the, the alternative because you always you know you look around the internet and you know somebody was trying to say why the Panthers were going to win it and Cameron I'm just wondering you know they've traded up for Bryce Young now, we saw the preseason game. Doesn't mean a lot, but I don't know about you. I prefer my quarterbacks to be upright rather than on their back all the time, which he seemed to be. You know, but, you know, they, they, they've they picked up Miles Sanders from Philly, Adam Thielen, Minnesota, Hayden Hurst, Cincinnati, Dini Sharp from Detroit. They've got Jonathan Mingo. There's a little bit of a buzz coming around. It's, it's almost like they're becoming a trendy pick. I don't see it myself because if you look at the way they start, you know, they, they've got, the Falcons, they've got the Panthers, Seahawks, uh, the Vikings, sorry, the Saints. You know, you could, you could, you've got a case that they could actually go in six to start start off. I think that I think they're a fascinating team because you don't quite know where they're going. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot of um, pieces here. The so DJ Chark is a capable wide receiver. Adam Thielen, we know, is is probably on the downward trend in his career. I thought Terrence Marshall. Um, I kind of showed a little bit more last year. I don't know much about Jonathan Mingo, I'll be perfectly honest, so it'll be interesting to see what he is. Obviously, Bryce Young's the big question. What is Bryce Young going to be? And uh, an exciting quarterback for those questions about his height. We don't know how much that's going to come to play. We're looking at the Cardinals that have got a small quarterback in Kyler Murray, who's on the downward trend as well, but he started off fairly hot. It, this could be one where they come out the traps pretty quick, sneak a couple of wins in that first 
uh, six games that you're talking about, and suddenly they'll be like, ah, do you know what? Actually, the Panthers might not be as bad. Or they could go 0-6 and that. Then it's just, what do they do from there? Do they just tank out and try and get as high a pick as possible? I know they're not allowed to, but it's the sort of team where they could just tank out and no one would really ask many questions about it. So, um, I agree with what Gordon says as well. I think that the... I would be surprised if anyone other than the Saints wins this division, but I wouldn't be flabbergasted, I think is probably the position I would be on this. Like, could see a shock coming here, wouldn't necessarily think it's wild. For me, I think picking second in this division is much harder than picking first. Yes, I agree with that. So do you agree with this statement? If the Saints don't win the division, Dennis Allen is out. Yes. Yep. Yeah, probably. And that will make you extremely content. <laughs> no, it won't. You would never like I... to see someone lose their job, but you're not very happy with him, are you? I, I could give you a list of people that I'd like to see lose their jobs, but that's on another subject altogether. Um, There's a double-edged no. sword there just before you go on, because if the Saints don't win the division, it might mean that Allen's out, but it probably means if they're not winning the division, at some point we're seeing Jameis Winston again next season. So, you know, uh, you, you uh, get yeah. with one hand and you take away with the other, as, my, as my, what he my, does. That's how he plays his whole game. Yeah, my, my concern isn't uh, Carr, thank you very much. My concern is the coaching. And I think Charles is right. I've been a little bit critical of Dennis Allen, but this is the quarterback he wants. This is his guy. Uh, but I think they've got to get it right in the first year. And when I you look at Carr as one of the more underrated quarterbacks, I think he's been a, a Raiders team that's just never had a good coach. There's been so mm. many moving pieces and moving parts. There's been disruption. There's There's definitely a whole for me, ethos issue. In ethos. Sure, it's um, ethos. That's pronounce, not what... Pronounce one word properly, please. <laughs> ethos. This, it, this is, this is, that sounds it, like a Greek island that's on fire. It has to I, be a bit. It has to be a bit at this point. <laughs> I, I, I think he's taking the mickey. Uh, he's just picking a word and just seeing how we react. Don't, don't, don't blink, guys. The ethos well, not, at the that's Raiders. That's not the ethos of our podcast. The ethos at the Raiders needs to be... <laughs> Um, needs to be looked at. There's definitely a problem there. So he's coming into New Orleans where there's a... I feel like he's going to be welcomed into New Orleans as well. Whereas I feel like the last couple of years, he's almost been like Oakland. They were leaving Oakland, so he's there, but they don't want him. He goes to LA. I think LA would rather have had a flashier quarterback. Again, careful what you wish for. LA. Jimmy G. Uh, Vegas. Vegas, sorry. Um <laughs> It's all going horribly wrong. But bottom line is, is that Derek Carr is not um, without blame for the reason that the Raiders have been shit for the last ten years. Never said that he was. He also he also had his his own personal choice of wide receiver, arguably one of the best wide receivers around last year, and they were still bad. So but the connection with him, I don't think it was down to Adams. Adams had a pretty good year. Like, it was a great year, was, but um, he was he, Derek Carr threw more interceptions than he has ever has done. Yeah, so I think Derek Carr is in far and away from being blameless. He is one of those quarterbacks. They, they do a brilliant thing on our uh, um, friends uh, podcast over across the pond. Um, they are in the NFL where they do what's known as what used to be called the Dalton line, and I think yeah. Derek Carr now right is is right in the middle where he is. Anyone above Derek Carr is good. Anyone below Derek Carr stinks. Derek Carr is the epitome of averageness. Mid, he is mid. Um, I, I don't I don't agree with that, but 
you talk about the interceptions, Gordon. You're you're a man of great influence. Can we start getting stats where we see interceptions that are actually the quarterback's fault? Yes. As against just the total number of interceptions, because I think just looking at a quarterback through his interceptions is one of the most flawed stats that we have. I am. Uh... It, does, it does exist. Uh... I believe that we have always done the stats in a particular way and therefore we should continue to do it in that way for the rest of time because that's how we do stuff. Mm, um, probably Unless not. someone's going to go back and redo all the stats for or all the videotape that we've got of full games, then I say you can add it as an addendum but not as the primary stat. I just, I just it's think a it's, a very har- it's a very harsh stat. It is a harsh stat. I agree. Yeah, I agree. D- definitely right. So we, we're agreed that the Saints will win the division. Dennis Allen will keep his job and everything will be hunky-dory in New Orleans. That's that's pretty good. Let's move to the other side. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. We'll do predictions. We're not. We need also, to predict this. Oh, and okay, also, no. No, knock down your pile of pish that you just spoke. It, exactly. So let's, <laughs> let's no, go, no, 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 no. Let's go, let's go back. Okay. So, that was a perfectly reasonable segue, gents. I don't know why you're coming back. Because uh, that's what we do. When someone talks shit, we slap them down. <laughs> no, God, we'd, be, we'd be here all night if that was the case, Charles. Right, Gordon, on you go. So if Derek Carr came out this year and threw for 22 interceptions and 10, 11 interceptions, sorry, so 22 touchdowns and 10, 11 interceptions, would you be happy with that? Again, that's out of context. You know, I mean, Jameis Winston didn't okay, throw. Okay, so but let's, interceptions. Let, it's way through them. That's the problem. So I again, mean, I think that's a stat that you can't. You've got to take into account the state of the game. What you're going? Are you trying to come from behind? No, I mean, if the Saints don't have a comfortable winning record, then Derek Carr's got got to play his part and say he was part of the problem. Nobody Is that else killed it? Is that killed this? Yeah. There you go. Such a, such a boring. Sorry, answer. I didn't answer the. I didn't oh. hear the question because I was chasing MetLife cat out of the house. <laughs> what was that? What was the question? I, I no. I just I brought everybody to silence, Charles. I think we need to just, move on. Just such a boring answer. Like, would you like this? Well, yeah. No, it, it lacks. It lacks the context because we have to know blah 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 blah. Sorry, um, sorry. I, forgive, forgive me for trying to elevate the podcast. Come I'm on. trying to figure out the, the 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 question about who the midpoint Q, uh, quarterback is in the NFL. That's what's running through my head. I'm I'm working off lists. It's fine. That's something that I can share with our Patreons it, again. It, pro- and, it probably has uh, Car now. Car probably has that line. It's a pretty similar quarterback to Andy Dalton. It's just the epitome of mediocrity. Is it not Jimmy G? No, he's never fit enough to actually be like rated in that I, regard. <laughs> I also think it's going to be quite fascinating to see how he looks this year out with a Shanahan system. Mm. That's a that's a topic for another day. That is that is the topic for when we do the West, which is next week. Predictions, do it. Yeah, fine. Predictions, right? Yep. Let's start with Cameron. Oh God! So since one. <laughs> Yep. Oh man! Right, I'm going to say Falcons two, Panthers three, Bucks last. Gordon, Saints, Bucks, Panthers, Falcons. Charles, uh, I'm going 
Saints, Falcons, Panthers, Buccaneers, and I think the Buccaneers are the number two seed, uh, the number two pick next year. <laughs> that number was two gonna seed. Say, number that was two a prediction. <laughs> number number two pick. I think they're going to have the second worst record in the NFL behind the Cardinals. I think they're going to stink. I'm just happy because I'm not the only person to fuck something up on this podcast tonight. Yay! Thanks, Charles. Um, it would be yes. interesting if they got if they were the number two seed. It would be with Baker Mayfield because that would really um, mix things keep, up. That would that would mess Gordon's mind. <laughs> Look, here's here's the thing, right? The Saints the Saints could well be the number two seed. Yep, I think I think they've got a good run at a pretty high seed if they get if they play their cards right. I mean that defense has never not been decent. So if you can take if you take care of results in your own division, then. I mean, they, were they, are they, have they got us, um, who won that? So the, the Bucks won the division last year. Were they second in the division, the Saints? Saints were third. Third. Carolina so they've got, Panthers, they've got, so. they've got, they've got a level three or whatever you want to call it. They've got a pretty bang average schedule. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's just the luck of the draw. That from helps that you. And I think that's probably. So I'm going to go New Orleans Falcons, Panthers, Bucks because I think the Falcons will just have a slightly easier schedule uh, than the than the Panthers will. Again, it just depends. I think those two will depend on their quarterbacks as well. Uh, whether Bryce Young turns out to be fantastic, whether Desmond Ritter can do anything. Uh, I mean, the Saints, the the Saints have got the Titans first up, then it's the Panthers, then it's the Packers, and then it's the Bucks. So you'll tell a lot after those first four games. I am sure. Gentlemen, with your permission, can we move on to the FC South? Yes. Mm, yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very you much. You have quorum. <laughs> Wonderful. Right. Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans in that order. Best record was the Jags, who went nine and eight. And I guess the story that's coming out today. Uh, Charles is the fact that the Colts have decided they are going to not mess around. They've just said that rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson will be the number one, and he's going to get all the reps at the moment. Surprised? No, not really. I mean, it, it, you're basically just in the, delaying the inevitable by not putting him in at the start of the season. He is the fa- the face of the franchise. He's the future of the organization, and he's going to make mistakes, but. They need to get people in the building, and they need you know watching him, and they need to get eyeballs on him, and they they just need him to learn from the deep end. I would suggest. And look, he's going to probably rush for nearly a thousand yards. <laughs> he's not going to throw for five thousand yards and you know and forty touchdowns. He's going to be. It's going to be a bit like watching a hybrid of Lamar, Michael Vick, and a very erratic Josh Allen. I think that's what it's going to be. Uh, And it's going to be interesting. What you described there was Cam Newton, um, basically, (laughs) was the combination of those things. Well, he's he's bigger and he's stronger and he's faster than Cam Newton. Yeah. He's he's, he's, he's Cam Newton 2.0 or 3.0 for 2023. And I think, you know, Gordon Gordon will know better than me, but the biggest question here is, you know, when you've got a a quarterback like that who is a unique skill set, it's all about the support cast to a certain extent in terms of what happens when you you do have a situation where he has to throw the ball and has he got enough in the way of um, 
pass catchers that can actually do it. And I don't think he has. I genuinely don't think he's got that. And that's the problem for the Colts. I I don't know if so I don't think they have like a top sporting cast, but Michael Pittman I think is pretty solid. And I really don't mind Alec Pierce. Um and the big thing is that a player like Anthony Richardson is like a force multiplier, effectively, that like it upgrades he upgrades every part of your offense because of what he forces the defense to account for. The the single hardest position to play in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball and play at a high level, sorry, in my opinion these days, is linebacker because of what these big, fast quarterbacks put the, the pressure they put under put you under. Like the someone had Eric Eager as a former colleague of mine described it as the gravity of those players because defensive players have to flow towards them. Uh, so linebackers consistently have to have to account. And what so what I thought was interesting as well from his preseason debut this week, and obviously preseason doesn't really matter, but everyone made a big deal about the bad interception he threw, which I think he just rushed rushed the throw when he was under pressure. But he rebounded from that and had some nice throws um throughout the rest of that. So I I I think he's gonna be solid enough as a rookie that they're probably going to win more games than people expect. But the passing yardage thing's funny because his over-under on passing yards is like 2,700. In terms of what it means for the Colts, Cameron, it almost buys them some time. Because I think if you start with Gardner Minshew and it goes wrong, which, and it might not be his fault, you know, you could be 0-3, 0-4, 1-5, something like that. You know, your fans aren't on side and you're going to have to make the switch. This, I would reckon, buys the coaching staff a little bit more time or a little bit more goodwill, perhaps, from the stands. I think if I'm Gardner Minshew as well, this is the situation I'd rather come in under because if you're the man that starts, everyone's waiting for you to get benched. Whereas actually what happens here is if Anthony Richardson isn't up to scratch, Gardner Minshew can step in and be the hero and think about his longevity beyond probably just playing for the Colts, where he has come in, done some good things, done some bad things. Um but maybe he gets a chance somewhere else. So I think for Gardner Minshew, it's best for him. For Andy Richardson, uh, it's a show of faith. I think the Jonathan Taylor thing is going to play a massive part in this and how that continues to play out purely because... Just just for just for the uh, listeners' benefit who don't see this, the moment that J- Jonathan Taylor was mentioned, Gordon just put his head in his hand if they were and disappeared off screen. If they were that irrelevant, they would just cut the position. But they're not because they're an important part of the game. So what? the Jonathan Taylor. What? What? Sorry. What utter <laughs> false equivalence is that? So why the is whole... me saying that the John? Who who have they got under, other than Jonathan Taylor to play the run back position? Anthony um, Anthony Richardson, I think. Right, right. <laughs> so quarterback. Fine. So he's not. He's a, he's a hybrid position. That's Zach what he is. Moss. Evan Hull, who they picked up in the fifth round. Kenyon Drake. Drake, who had some Had really a couple good... of decent games. Uh, on, and what, what, what type of quarterback was he playing with when he had a couple of decent games? A running type ah, quarterback. So, so maybe the, the impact that a rushing quarterback has on the players around him opens up some space for running backs. Possibly. possibly. But 
Possibly, maybe Kenyon Drake can fill the void. But that doesn't negate the point that I made, which was it's interesting to see what the outcome of the Taylor thing is because it will have a big part of this. Because he is an important part. part. It will, because he is an important part of their offense. And if he leaves and they don't fill the gap, then they are weaker in that position. And therefore, Andy Richardson is not going to have the same grace of uh, freedom in the backfield because they know that he's going to run because Zach Moss ain't going to be that guy if it's Zach Moss that's in the position. So Jonathan Taylor is a player that we know is capable of explosive plays. If he can get through uh, the line, the offensive line creates. There was other running backs in that team that have been there the last couple of years with him and nobody else did more than him. Um, It's, he is our, he is a very good running back. And therefore, if he goes, they're weaker at that position. And listen, I will take on board that I think that I am probably overvaluing the running back. I definitely think that you're going the other way and undervaluing it too much as well. I it think sounds like a relationship that's broken here. Uh, Charles, if you could tell us how to fix this, because I miss my spooning. Do you know what? what? The, the, the secret to a good marriage is that you find a happy medium, and a so middle let's ground. Ex- let's accept that running backs are important, but they're not that important. So, for uh, for the Colts last year, Zach Moss averaged more yards per carry than Jonathan Taylor did. Yes, because he had a really bad year. He was banged up an awful lot of the time. He was injured most of it. No, he still um, averaged four and a half yards per carry. No, 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 no. He was no, playing it, injured for most of it, so he was not being effective. He wasn't he, as effective. He was the defensive five, line was not as good. He was at 5.5 the year before. He was at 4.9 the year before that. Zach Moss last year with both the Bills and the Colts was at 4.9. So he was at that first rookie year, Jonathan Taylor. The The point I'm making is not, so I, and I'm probably veering too far to the other side because I would like to see the two of them play together because I think, so where I disagree with you, Cameron, is I think the impact that Anthony Richardson would have for Jonathan Taylor is huge because Jonathan Taylor would get to run against lighter boxes, yep. not in how they're set up, but in terms of, you know, Jonathan Taylor fakes the, uh, Anthony Richardson fakes the handoff, um, fakes the the kind of read option, um, you know, Taylor gets the, gets the carry on that. And he runs against linebackers who are, not ready because they're having to account for both players. To me, that's where the bigger impact of that is. That that rushing attack with Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson, I do agree with you, would be better than Anthony Richardson and Zach Moss. Uh, Zach Moss. He's but, not a bad running back. I'm not saying he's a bad running back. But I think, so if I was to rank them, I would say, and maybe, maybe this is where we can agree. Maybe we can get back to lovey-dovey agreeing here. Uh, if you had to rank their situation, Anthony Richardson... No bullshit, right? You're dinner table. And Jonathan Taylor <laughs> yep. is the best, right? Number one. On yep, yep. Num- number two is Anthony Richardson and Zach Moss before Gardner Minshew and Jonathan Taylor. Yes. From, yeah. a, running, from a running game position, I'll take that. Yeah, good. I agree. You, as long as you've just admitted that the more important player in their rushing attack this year is is the quarterback. Yes. I agree with that as well. I definitely good. agree with that, and I think that the opportunities though for Richardson get better as well because Taylor's in the backfield, so you've got to account for two, um, and therefore more so than the other running backs that would be there is the viewpoint. 
I love it when they all come together. It was a happy ending. Robert Kraft would have been proud of. <laughs> Terrific, guys. I'm so pleased for you both. Let's move away from the Colts and on to the Texans. Well, they've had CJ Stroud there. You know, Will Anderson Jr., DeMarco Ryans. You know, where where do we think the Texans are going? Because I kind of think we've ignored, not quite ignored the Texans for years, but we've kind of written off the Texans. For we've years. not been allowed to talk about the Texans, or we've we've morally banned ourselves from going near them. Is, you know, is there do, any do way back for the Texans? Yeah, yes. absolutely. And it's the the culture starts at the top. This is actually where you take it away from the field. Um, and I love the hire, and, and fair enough, D'Amico Ryan's is a a bit of a Texans legend, but he brings a culture. And the you know from from San Francisco, and he brings uh not just a winning culture, but he also brings a, a fresh culture in terms of cleansing that place because it's been guttural for years with that. Um, the guy it was at Easterby who was the, the 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 general manager who wasn't, or he was a preacher or some some guy who was essentially running the show in there, and then you had all the nonsense with Deshaun Watson. It's and firing a head coach after one season and then doing the same thing again and then doing the same thing again and then Bill O'Brien trading away DeAndre Hopkins, all that kind of nonsense. It's just been a, a it's been a clown show for years. I think that they're going to be they're going to become a, a serious, properly run team now because the guy who's in charge of the team seems to have his head screwed on. And they I think they've drafted well. They've drafted sensibly and I just I can see them improving year after year. I don't think they're going to reach the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win this division, but um, I do believe that they're they're now on the right tracks because they've finally cleansed themselves of everything. You say that. So just to play the devil's advocate mm. on that, 2015, first in the South. 2016, first in the South. 2018, first in the South. 2019, first in the South. For such a toxic atmosphere. Yeah, but that toxic atmosphere has last four or five years. It's, so it's about 2019. So that 2019 season, that was the season where they Jack went. Jack Easterby joined the. Oh, no, 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 no. He was he had come in, but it was and it was all swirling in the background. But then, do you remember they were 24 0 up against the Chiefs in the divisional round, and that is the moment that everything started to fall to bits. Because yeah, they blew, they, they blew fifty-one thirty-one. Yeah, yeah they, yeah. they blew, they blew that lead. They then traded Hopkins away. Bill O'Brien got fired. Watson went into free fall off the field, and it's been a shambles for four years since. So, you know, they've been, they've been on. It was, a, I mean, in fact, JJ Watt had to leave the organization because he felt that, you know, it was unpalatable to finish his career there, basically. He chose to go to Burnley instead, yeah. Now, look, look, if you're a Hall of Fame level player in the NFL, you simply have to pick a middling, low level Premier League or even low level championship if you're Tom Brady <laughs> team to buy into. You have to do it. Still the weirdest, so weirdest thing. Texans fans should probably be as optimistic now as they have been in a while. I think the culture stuff with D'Amico Ryans is absolutely spot on. Everyone loved him in San Francisco. And because he has the connection, having played in Houston, he already has the respect of everyone there. He's going to get plenty of opportunity to grow that team. Like, I don't think, outside of losing 14 games this season, I don't think he would be on any kind of hot seat heading into next year. Um, so I think he's probably got three years 
minimum to try and turn things around. And with the absolute caveat that I have inherent inherent bias here because I know him, I was really quite excited by what I saw from their offense the other night. Um, the Bobby Sloat came along with D'Amico Ryan's uh, as the offensive coordinator, and that looks like a proper Shanahan tree offense. Tank Dell was open pretty much every time he ran a route the other night, and he's like five eight and looks so much bigger than that. That that offense is going to scheme players open so well, and I they're not I I don't think they're going to come close to making the playoffs this year because the AFC is so strong. But I think you're probably going to come out of this season with a lot more hype about them and with them being a destination where free agents are way more interested in going next year. I, before I share any opinions on this one, need to confess that I was wrong about something. Um, what? I Are my together, ears deceiving me? I put together for our Patreons, we've now got a WhatsApp group. By the way, that's another reason to join our Patreon. Uh, people call me a dickhead every day and me spouting all the shite that people basically use to call me a dickhead the next again day. Um, one of the things I did was that I said that the Texans run game was just absolute bottom tier, dis- disgusting. And I was wrong. I had actually forgotten um, how good uh, Damian Pierce actually was. I forgot that they'd picked up Singletary, who is a bit more of a speedy back. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like the the run game there, I gave it a hard time. I don't think it's exceptional, but I think actually it's probably one of the stronger parts of their game. So first things first, done there. The one thing, I, the preseason game that I wondered was, obviously CJ Stroud, is he actually going to start week one? Have they come out and said that? Uh, not I don't. Yet, have I they? don't. I don't think they've confirmed it. And what was quite interesting was, like he he struggled a bit as a rookie, uh, which is fair enough, right? It's first NFL game one. Yeah, but Davis Mills actually looked pretty good, which was interesting. And yes. So I think all these things. It's the same thing with Richardson in Indianapolis. The the decision on whether or not you start Stroud, you start Richardson, you start Bryce Young in Week One, is not about your playoff chances in 2023. It's purely about, do you think it helps or hinders that guy to start right away? If you think he's someone who's going to benefit from sitting for half a season, if you think he's going to benefit from sitting the whole season, do that. It's just more often than not, they benefit from reps. Like everyone's going to point to Mahomes. Oh, Mahomes sat for you know pretty much his full first season for the Chiefs. And Alex Smith played and Mahomes is you know an alien type of player. Yeah, know. he's the exception, he's not the rule. He's the yeah. exception, not the rule. Uh, and I think that you can see that, and we'll, we'll come on to this next week, and I'm sure Charles will be first can... to volunteer when it comes to an NFC West chat. But, um, you know, <laughs> the, the lumbering, disgusting play from Trey Lance, it's obviously he's never had much of an opportunity to get going. So I understand putting your quarterback in early. Like, I totally get it. Um and it comes down to whether or not you're a Super Bowl possible team with the team that you've got now or not. Uh, and let's be honest, the Texans are not. So Unless you've got... going to lose. Well, exactly. I mean, there's no benefit at all to them starting Davis Mills. There's no benefit whatsoever. Um, but, if you've got, that, if you've... That's my point, though, is that yeah. if, you, if, you think, if you think Stroud benefits from sitting and, like going through the game prep side of it without having to worry about getting hit 
numerous times in a game and stuff like that. They've got one of the better offensive lines, though. Yes, I, I agree. I, I would start Stroud. I'm just saying, like, hmm. that's the way that's the way I think they should always approach it. Yeah, but if I don't think there's anything wrong with sitting somebody if you've got somebody in front of you that's going to certainly you can learn from as well, and actually the team's going to continue to play well. And you've seen that in certain in certain quarters with quarterbacks that have been able to sit, such as Mahomes. And Alex Smith was was a really good quarterback, a really serviceable quarterback. And then you've got the situation that Green Bay have had for years. They did it with Rogers, and they did it with they've just done it with Love. It's absolutely feasible. So, but I, Davis Mills is third. Just throw him in. Let's see him. Come on, number two pick. Get him I out there. I think the only thing with that is they play the Ravens first week one, right? If there's a defense in this division, I don't particularly want my new quarterback to go up against. It's a Ravens team that are healthy and coming into the game with what is a really good... Ravens defense was a bit shit last year, let's be honest. So. It was, but I think well, it was pretty bad. Hang on, what, how have the two of you just said something so incredibly wrong. Firstly, Cameron, <laughs> how can we call a Ravens defense that's coming in healthy? Marlon Humphrey's just gone down with an injury. Yeah, one one oh, yeah. defender. He's, he's their best player on defense. I get it, and and, but... and, Char- and Charles, I'm sorry. Look at look at the numbers the Ravens gave up in the second half of last year, including two games in a row. Against By Ravens them. standards, they were pish last year. Ravens that, have got Ravens defenses. A, Ravens defenses have got us. Standard that is, that's sky high. That is nonsense. They they the first half of the year where there was a lot of blown leads and stuff like that, there were serious issues. The second half of really? that year, the the entirely settled. So what are you judging? Are you judging it on the second half of the year or are you judging it on all 17 games? Well, I'm judging it based on the fact that Mike McDonald was a new defensive coordinator. So uh-huh. what what so, should I place more what should I place more um you can pick and choose your statistics where you want to. Okay. That's absolutely wait, wait, fine. And and did they also maybe add the highest paid player in their defense midway through that season? Could money's that got nothing to do with that? it. Right. No, could, could, money's could got I, nothing to do with it. Can I just, just pause, pause <laughs> it there? For those of you playing Smash Bingo at home, uh, Cameron was the first person to mention Trey Lance, which we thought it would be. <laughs> Charles obviously got in the names of Green Bay quarterbacks and somehow Gordon's having to defend the Ravens. I didn't bring them up. I didn't bring them up. I know that. I know that. I know that. But I knew you'd end up having to defend them. Anyway, let's move seamlessly on to the Tennessee Titans, one of the teams that will be coming to London. Do we have Are they going to be any good or not? Well, you know, we do have to make, you know, it's in the contract. I, I, if you had to list the most boring teams in the NFL in the 2023 <laughs> season. I can't, and this is, so there's actually parts of the Titans season that could get really exciting, but right now they're heading into the season with Ryan Tannehill as their starting quarterback. He looked kind of done at the end of last year. Derek Henry still looked good, but wasn't as strong as he'd been. Traylon Burks has just gone down injured. So they've now, DeAndre Hopkins, who again is getting a bit older, is going to be, their top receiver it looks like their offensive line isn't very good and their defense is kind of okay but there's no Jeffrey Simmons the biggest star there I just it's not really a lot that gets you massively excited about watching the Titans at this point in time which if you think about like a team that's got DeAndre Hopkins and Derek Henry on it three years ago you'd be like oh just because of those two players but you're right they're both aging um last year it felt like Henry there was no when they gave away AJ Brown, they basically gave away their season. Like it just fine, they bought brought in Burks to replace him, but you're never going to replace what AJ Brown was with a rookie. Um 
I just don't think you were. So Burks has got an upside, but I think is Burks injured? Has there's been something about him being? We've yeah, just said that. Yeah. yeah. You went um, down. I mean, listen. The question for me is: Is Hopkins still the Hopkins that he used to be? And no, but I, I do still think. He's can he be quality? Yes, he can still be quality. Still, I'd, I'd bet a decent amount that he would be a top twenty receiver in the NFL this year. I wouldn't bet anything that he's a top ten receiver. The the, the, the thing about you, you said that they're the mo- one of the most boring teams in the league. I think the issue is that we know what they're going to do. They are predictable. What they do has generally been they're they're only what eighteen months removed from being the number one seed. They are. They're effective. And the problem was they got found out last year in their division by a Jacksonville team who had more tricks in the box than Tennessee. Tennessee were going to win that division despite being boring. And they got found out on the final day of the season. And actually, they'd gone into slide mode before that. The question is, is that have they got anything else in the locker, offensively in particular, to be able to challenge Jacksonville? And I don't think that they've shown that. I mean, they tried to bring in Hopkins as it was an attempt to do so. But they've not, for me, they don't have that creativity offensively since Arthur Smith left. And that's the problem, I think. Because I think they'll win seven or eight games, but I don't think that's enough. If if Tannehill is in any way decent, then I think they can be a bit more of a factor. Hmm. The, the best line that I saw was, and it read, the Titans are easily the second best team in this division, but second in this division means you're not very good, which I thought was quite a nice a nice line, which takes me to the team that I think everybody's going to tip to win it, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Cameron, what I think is interesting in this division is people are assuming that Jacksonville are going to win it, but they're not actually looking back at the Titans, Colts and Texans. They're almost talking about, are they good enough to be a threat in the playoffs to the Bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs. Now, are we getting ahead of ourselves if we think like that? Um, I don't think so. I think it's okay to buy into the hype a little bit here. This is a young team, a young team that's on the up. Uh, and it feels like Trevor Lawrence is starting to become the player that we thought he would be. I think there's a lot of positives there. I think that Calvin Ridley, obviously, he's not played for a year, but back in the game... Christian Kirk had a really good year for them last year as well as Zay Jones. Again, pace is a big thing here. Jamal Agnew, it's a fast team. Uh, Travis Etienne as well is kind of back from his injury, looking decent. I think that this is a, a team with a lot of upside to it. I think the problem that I have and the newer fans the NFL will have is that We've talked up the Jacksonville Jags a couple of times before and then they've been utterly stinking again. So there's that in the back of your mind that always goes like, are they going to be that Jags? But I thought they were good last year. So uh, I I expect them to continue to take a step forward. I think that Doug Peterson's uh, an experienced head coach. It's It's not the Wild West like it's felt like it is down there. It feels like can's not been that vocal as an owner and that's a good thing as well he's letting his head coach and his you know front office do the talking so i i it feels like it's a bit more sensible and a bit more head screwed in uh, and i think that's a good thing so it's fair gordon do you see anybody challenging the jacksonville jaggers in the division which i guess is no so are we just looking at how quickly they take you know, perhaps do they need to go six and own that division and try and get home field advantage for the playoffs? The the tough thing is how much does home field so the reason why home field advantage would be good for them is probably because they avoid 
a trip to somewhere cold. Yeah. Right? So you get home field, you avoid the trip to Kansas City, to Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. You avoid the trip to Buffalo, the Jets. Um, that That's the advantage there, but they throw the ball well enough that I, I don't think it matters a ton. I think they probably want to be the two or the three seed. Um, it's not the end of the world if they're not the one seed. I, I just it's just a case of how if Trevor Lawrence continues to develop and plays the way he did the second half of last year, Calvin Ridley now back, they have enough talent at receiver that they they can outduel any other offense in that in 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 the NFL on their day. And that's what it comes NFL. down to. Mm. On their day, yeah. If you, yeah. if you, if not you consistently, get, I don't no, think. No, no, no. You, you'd never pick them to be favored to do that against the Chiefs. I don't but, know if their defense stands up as so, well as it needs so to. Hang on, like, if, you look at, if you look at their schedule, right? They, they open against the Colts, which fine, based on what we're chatting about, probably winnable. Week two, they're against the Chiefs. Uh, week five, they're against the Bills. Week seven, they're against the Saints. Week eight, the Steelers. Depends on what the Steelers team is. Week nine is the Niners. Here's a question um, for you. The, the, Bills, the, the Bills game and the, the, the Bills and the Ravens week after week after week. That's a tough schedule. The Bills and the Chiefs games, where are they? Are they in Kansas or in Buffalo or are they in Jacksonville? That is a exceptionally good question. And the reason and I ask are... that is if you've got the Chiefs in week two at home and you just happen to pull one out of the fire there... You do have the Chiefs at home. Yeah, two. and have you got Buffalo? Are you going to Buffalo? Or you're are going you... to Buffalo. Right. When you're... when is that though that you're going to Buffalo? Week seven, October before it gets right. cold. Yeah. So See, those that, are, those that, are the that's two the London game guys. That's a London. Oh, game. oh so it is. It is indeed. And and so though and so basically <laughs> that's a home game. So if you win those two, if you're Jacksonville, <laughs> if you win those two games and you 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 essentially get the tiebreaker against the two teams that are favoured to win their divisions and are in the mix for the one two three seeds. Then you're, you've just got a step ahead of them, and I, I just wonder, that's your advantage right there. If you win and one of those two, then you're that, potentially looking at a top two seed because you Bills should be able, to, you should be able to wipe wipe the floor with the rest of your division. That Bills game being in London's a biggie for them because they're there from the week before, so they're not going to have jet lag by that point. That's massive. That's also on paper. That's I think we probably said this at the time. On paper, that's probably the best London game yes. we've ever had in terms of talent on the field. I know people are still. Yeah. Oh, it's the Jaguars. I'm not that interested. I suspect this season will change that. They just so to go back to the point there. You listed all those teams, Cameron, and my yeah. all my point is is not that they're definitely better than all those teams. It's that any one of those weeks, them putting up forty points in those game, I wouldn't be like, oh my god, how did that happen? Like, yes, it, they're good enough to do that. Yeah. We saw what they did against relevant. the Chargers. The thing, the thing for me is the defense. We saw what they did against the Chargers in the playoffs, and the fact that they were, you know, they they let a lead go out for, for 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 the Chargers, and you can't do that. You can't get away with that every week. And by the same token, you can't bank on yourself getting forty points every week. So it's exactly who they are. They are the Chargers. They're just in a weaker division. 
Like, mm. I think you could... Put... No. No, I, I don't think so. I think the Chargers have got some kind of psychological he hex over that entire franchise. But I feel They're like crushed. the Jags have had that for so long. Like, oh, last year was better, and they had that one year that, obviously... <laughs> I think the Jags have just been pish. I think there's a so, difference yeah. between between being psychologically scarred but and being crap. I mean, like, right now, where they are, I feel like if I was to draw a parallel line to a team in the AFC... Uh, they are in the fucking AFC. Uh, another team that's similar in, like... All the bets. I feel like the Chargers is the most like-for-like -like comparison. Mm. I think you could put yes. them, you could swap you... them around in the divisions, and they would perform almost identically. I think you yeah, put the but, Chargers but... in this division and the Jags out. You're talking about the Chargers winning this. You're not even thinking about it. No, um, but but you're talking about the chart. Uh, you're talking about the Jaguars as being. Oh, is this the year they can actually challenge the Chiefs? Yes, which is effectively the... what we're saying. We're just yes, saying that, that'll be in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. So, so before I get your order for the division, just, just talking about those London games. Do you know when we talked about the the ticketing situation and the resale? If you go on to the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule, the dearest resale ticket or the dearest you would have to pay to watch them this year is in London against Buffalo. It's tickets starting from one hundred eighty-seven dollars. According to that, you can see them against New Orleans for 33, San Francisco for 68, Houston for 24. But actually flicking on to the site, because I've just gone on to StubHub to have a look, Baltimore Ravens versus Tennessee Titans for level one tickets or level five tickets, they're going for 1,400 quid each. Yeah. This this is out, this is outstandingly wrong. Yes. I mean, A, you'd have to be a moron to pay that. Um, but the NFL have got to start doing something about this. this yeah, Taylor Swift ticket for that much money, much better spent. You can get four Taylor Swift tickets for around about that money. Not, yeah. not, not that I know that from experience. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but this this is utterly ridiculous. From this, so the price, the starting price, I think is one hundred and forty eight quid for Baltimore against Tennessee. Um, and as I say, that that's somebody want level five, and people are asking a grand for a level five ticket as well. Outrageous! NFL sort it out, right, Charles? Mm. I presume it's Jacksonville Jaguars. You're not going to surprise me in any um, way. No, I'll, I'll surprise. Other... I'll surprise you in other divisions. Um, what are we going to say? I think Jags. I am going to be a little bit controversial here and I'm going to say Indianapolis 2 Houston 3 Tennessee 4 Okay I'm going from left to right on my screen so I'll ignore Gordon because he's going to mute Cameron <laughs> So uh, Jags <laughs> Jags yep. 1 I've got Titans 2 because they're boring and meds but they've not taken a massive step back so they're 2 I've got Oh, who have I got? I've got the Colts in three, and I've got the Texans last. Yeah, I think that Richardson's my... a better option than Stroud is the, the reason for that. Yeah, I think Texans might have a slightly better supporting cast, but I think Richardson clinches it. Gordon? Fun fact about Zoom, by the way, there is an unmute button, so... Doesn't take doesn't take much. I just press that button and then you hear my voice again. So don't. I I just wondered if you're being distracted in some other way. That was all. And then See, Cameron, there we go. Then Cameron decided to mute me deliberately because he thought it was <laughs> a tremendous banner. Uh, Jaguars first, uh, Titans second because the Rabel thing. Like I still think they probably win seven, maybe eight games. Uh, 
Colts then Texans. I think for both of those teams, it's not about this year anyway. So I don't think yeah. it matters. Right. Cameron, so I should just say, Cameron's currently sort of swaying and dancing to the music that plays in his head constantly. He's he's either wearing a My Little Pony t-shirt or the worst unicorn t-shirt <laughs> I've ever seen. So we might have to get that put on there. He's uh, doing... He's doing what my 11-year-old does when he needs to go to the loo. He's just dancing around, refusing to leave the room. I've got a standing desk, and the reason for having a standing desk is to keep me going. I've got an Achilles injury at the moment, so I have to move around. So, yeah. Right, so that is our preview for the South. Gentlemen, any other talking points? How about the practice fighting that's been going on? I was going to say that the Ravens fought the commanders, because the commanders, certainly Gordon, didn't fight the Ravens very well. No, there was uh, a nice little Mark Andrews body slam that was uh, that was pretty good in there. Uh, I just, I think it always looks pretty stupid in training camp and everything. I think you look pretty stupid. I, oh, I where did that come from? You were getting on so well. I'm, I'm, really. not, I'm not the one. Hawking, I'm not the one hawking my shitey podcast in the Patreon group. But all right, fine. Time out for Hobbs. Go and stand in the corner for a minute. Have you not been invited on this podcast yet? I uh, know he has actually said uh, that I will I will get my shot down the line. Yep. Uh, Jamie Jamie was first. Um, Jamie's always first. He's the, the favourite. The, the thing the thing that's so stupid about the training camp fights though is when they're always throwing punches at helmets. Like yes, the new padded helmets now with the big clothing, I, sort of you, dome you of are foam not, on the top. You're not winning a fight throwing a punch at someone's head when they're wearing an NFL helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Your hand gets sore, and they maybe rock back a little bit. Stupid. Yeah, the other the other one was the the Browns, and I think it was the Eagles. The Eagles were trying to get at the, the quarterback just to to try and annoy the Browns. So that's never a bad thing. But you just no, hope that in the end nobody gets hurt out of it. You know, it's when the Jose Mourinho. If I speak, I'll get in trouble. If I speak, so I will yeah. not. I will not speak. Well, all you've got to do is get the lawyer that Owen Farrell had, and you'll be absolutely fine. That's doing the rounds, that one, I'll tell you. Yep, absolutely. On on the topic of fighting, though, yep. people who I want to fight with, and this this genuinely... <laughs> made me... Sorry, you, you were looking away there, Gordon, but Cameron just turned to face his camera because he thought a challenge was coming. You didn't see that, but we did. That was fabulous. <laughs> No. Oh, we do need to later on before we go. We do need to update on a, a burger bet that me and Cameron have agreed on. Oh. Um, but no, what has really annoyed me is if you want to watch college football in the UK this year, here are your two legal options right now as things stand. You're going to get the Notre Dame game, where on Sky, and you're yep. going to get the SEC game of the week on TNT. Everything else is gone. And I only know about the second one because Lauren Callahan replied to my tweet today about it. ESPN player, where you used to be able to select from a good choice of games, goes out of commission on the 18th of this month in the UK. So in 2023, fans of American football in the UK are going to have legal access to two college football games a week. Like All that is going to do is push people to certain illegal ways of watching these games which is kind of that's the way a lot of sports go in generally unfortunately and it defeats the purpose of purchase rights but this is the problem that you've got when sport is a saturated market and 
TV sports rights deals bubbles are about to burst everywhere. Everywhere, yeah, across every sport. Football, yeah, but college football has been basically the cheap sandwich filler mm. that like the BT Sport and ESPN before that basically chucked out uh, they saw it as a niche market and a way to gobble up the hours. It's slightly more concerning because, is my understanding, I mean, it's literally as cheap as chips to take in, um, that there's just a lack of interest for it. And TNT Sports, who are no different to BT Sport, essentially. They're essentially um, exactly the same. You know, I mean, there have been some personnel changes and some production changes. I get that. But what are you going to fill your schedule with if you're not going to do wall to wall? They'll take, do you know what they'll take? They'll take sports that haven't been taken before or they'll go down a, a different route and they'll look for women's sport because women's sport is where the growth market is across television. And if you ask any sports governing bodies around the world, that is where the eyeballs are coming. I mean, and, I, I mean, and I, I, I understand the, the reasoning there. Like you look at the Women's World Cup just now and the, the quality difference compared to four years ago is drastic. Every yeah. single every single major broadcaster on the planet has got to think about equity now. Yeah. And diversity. And that is um that is I think a, a lot of where these gaps in the schedule will get filled in various sports. And the problem is that other people that come in and pick up the dribs and drabs are probably not getting enough to justifiably exist as a standalone platform that somebody's going to pay money for. What you've got is a bunch of stuff that has been cast out. Because let's be honest, the the American football fans in the UK are watching the NFL more than they're watching college football. But that doesn't mean there aren't people here watching college football. Um, I have no idea what the numbers are. I think it would be really interesting to get some background on that. Um because it does feel like someone could come along and do it. But the problem is they've then got to charge you £15 a month and it's another bloody channel you've got to pay for. But it's and- just, it's the, the bigger part is ESPN player going away. That that was a, a, a way for people where you could pay. It it cost me yeah. 150 quid or something like that a year because I want to be able to watch some of those bigger games. Also, it cost me that because one year I was away from home wanting to watch the national championship game or the semi-final signed up forgot it was a seven-day trial and then got hit with it the seven days later and i had to pay for the full amount but i i i obviously we're and the people that listen to this podcast are people who are more die-hard american football fans you know the casual watchers will watch red zone on a sunday they'll watch some games and this that and the next thing there is a market for people who do care enough about it, but yeah, it would be interesting to see the numbers of viewers it was it was actually getting. Um, but it would be great just to see another couple of games get picked up, especially so, especially the late night games. Like there's SEC games on at like one in the morning. There's Pac-12 games on at four in the morning. Like just if the rights are nothing to pick up, there's channels all over the place that could pick up those. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I find it very weird that, you know, so we're not knocking TNT Sports here, but they've got four channels. You know, you think they could pick up. Yeah, what are they going Sky- to show? They're going to show replays of whatever they've bought, like an English Premiership game, and they're going to rerun it at one o'clock in the morning. Who's watching they, a full game in a replay? Nobody. They, they possibly might. Now, I mean, Charles and I could debate, you know, emerging sports 
don't get covered enough, uh, do enough women's sports get covered, but you're talking four channels. You know, th- there is room for this, and I, I just find it slightly mystifying. And let's be honest, because I'm not knocking TNT Sports, Sky are only showing the Notre Dame games because NBC hold the rights. Mm-hmm. And there's a synergy between them. There's, you know, they're, they're not riding to the rescue and saying we're we're going to show you, you know, college football. I mean, from the big Fox big kickoff at noon, you know, college football goes on for for you, you know, oh, feels like years. It goes on all day. You know, you can watch numerous games. Yet we might get one or two. And the problem in Notre Dame is you won't get that every week because NBC don't have the rights to them all. So Sky will only show perhaps seven or eight. Game. So if you're only going to get the SEC game of the week, that is that is pretty much it. Um, yeah, I just think that's that's really bizarre. Talking of of broadcasting, Al Michaels came out swinging this week in a podcast interview, uh, saying that he took a lot of criticism for some of his calls this year, especially on the great playoff game comeback where somebody described the winning field goal as just it was dull. There was no excitement. He's not a happy bunny, is is Mister Michaels. Anybody got any thoughts whether he'll, he'll quit or just keep going? I'll not quit. It's too much money for old rope. It's money for old rope, and this is the problem. His old rope is rubbing thin. So he's got against, he's got housing to pay for against <laughs> the the younger emerging um, commentators. I think that he is now. Um, and I'm sorry, Paul, this isn't directed at you, but um, you know, he's clearly going out to pasture uh, in his broadcasting career <laughs> and he's not willing to accept it yet. <laughs> how the, true, laugh, how the laugh at the end really, really sells that that wasn't aimed at Paul. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, um, I mean, to, to talk about Al Michaels, I think it's better than. Tariko or Sunday Night Football, but he obviously got moved out. He's taken the money at, at Amazon, but. You know what the Amazon slate of games was going to be? How can how can you be surprised? What annoys me about Al Michaels, because I still think he can call a decent game, is he knew what he was getting, therefore make the best of it. And he's working with arguably one of the best guys in the business in Kirk Herbstreit. He's a great analyst. I just think it, it, it comes across as a little ungrateful. The, the Thursday night football schedule this year as well is actually really good. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you'll see a different Al Michaels this year because yeah. I think I I would imagine I think as well you probably have to give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in terms of you know maybe maybe he felt it was a knock that he was that he was replaced um, yeah get that so maybe he was a little bit down based on that and then the game's not been the, the Thursday night football schedule this year this past year was nowhere near as good with the interest and excitement that he will be used to with Sunday Night Football, because that's a whole big thing with NBC. So this year, a bit more um, excitement about the Thursday Night Football schedule. I think maybe that changes a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we shall see. We'll also see if Sky try and pick up a few more games because Peacock and NBC have picked up more college football, so there might be a possibility. I That's the yeah. sweet spot for them because they've got a channel dedicated to the NFL during the NFL which, season. Which, on a, on a Saturday, right? Just give it's, me wall-to-wall college football from that Absolutely. Until... And I'd sit and watch it. I'll, I would watch it. Um, and I think that, you know, there's there's this weird thing as well where we've got more games on different times. Like, I keep forgetting we've got a Friday night game mm-hmm. uh, on 
on Black Friday, and it's Jets Dolphins, which is Thursday night football in this instance of. Um, but that's actually a really good game. So you know, there's there's more coverage. But they're uh, going Morgan's they're going down the road that we're going to get to, whereby there is going to be games four or five days a week. And this is going to be the issue for the next CBA is that you're going to have a situation whereby it's going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And that will that will essentially what do what I it becomes. I don't, I don't think, think they'll do, get Saturday. They, they won't do Saturday. And and actually, so I don't know if they'll consistently do Friday either because uh, they don't like to impact the crowds that go to high school games. And that's actually quite important for like mm. the grassroots building of the game. So I don't know... I think that there might be that my my thought later process. The, the reason for that is, yeah, later in the year they'd already do it. But my also thought process other than that is that this is a global issue. When yeah. do global fans want to watch sport, and they want to watch it on a Saturday? Yep. And that's yeah. you know you're you're building the brand globally. You know you take games to Germany Azteca, to Saturday. That's what it's all about. I, I want to point out my favorite favorite tweet of this past week and it's about Cameron's 49ers oh so, god let's end on a high then Gordon go on go for it the quarterback that you guys traded up for <sighs> didn't, he didn't, this he is didn't, for next week no 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 it's not because I, it's about a tweet okay. you're going to feel bad for cutting me off because it's good Fine. he didn't play particularly well this week correct no he was no, he wasn't good, <laughs> wasn't good. I'm going to direct you all to a tweet from Grant Cohen oh, and he no. said if Trey Lance had played well in this game, fans would want him to start week one. Kyle Shanahan can't let that happen, so he called a bunch of passes, not the typical 49ers offense. Just to be clear, Kyle Shanahan failed Trey Lance by asking him to throw the football. That's what that tweet implied. Grant Cohen is a clown uh, and should be ignored, muted, blocked, whatever you see fit. He it's is. A great, it's a great tweet, though. Like that it's a great tweet. Elite, it's a great tweet. Elite nonsense. Yeah. Yes. Can, we, can we can we revisit that when we uh, talk about the West next week? And then, <laughs> oh, and then, we, and then can we bookmark that for our ten minutes uh, side on trade lines? <laughs> tune in next week as the Sam Darnold type train starts right now. He looked, he looked all right. Oh, he actually looked good. Bur- oh, yeah, Burger, 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 Burger. Burger. Before we go, burger bet. Let, let's have details of that. Burger bet. So this was a negotiation. It so was. Cam- Cameron, after bragging about how the teams he'd said, yeah, yeah, you did. How, how he bragged about how the running game situation wasn't good, and then they signed. So the Patriots signing Zeke Elliott, the Jets signing Dalvin Cook. And I said to Cameron, okay, I'll give you a burger bet. The two of those players over or under a thousand rushing yards. If both of them do it, I owe you two burgers. If both of them don't do it, you owe me two. And if it's one and one, then we, it's even. So either no one gets a burger or one of us is getting two each. Cameron wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't as bold on them as he was previously. Surely so because Zeke Elliott has had numerous seasons with the Cowboys where he's not broached a thousand, right? Just rushing yards because yes. he does sometimes receive as well. So, so because it was rushing yards, I went, nah, maybe not. So we negotiated down to 800. We did. And I'll and take I, that. I'm pretty confident that I'll be getting two burgers at the end of the season. I'm, I'm confident. pretty confident you will be too. I'm not confident. but I'm just worried about your waistline. I I'm think losing, it's worth a I'm shot. losing weight just now. I've already lost a stone. I'm going to get no. myself. Don't I'll make any a, more burger bets. I'll, I'll lose another Especially stone. Especially with Cameron. <laughs> lose another stone. And then January to February, I'll put it back on and then I'll drop it again. 
You, you you keep going for your beach body. Cameron keeps dancing along, and Charles is trying to lift up his polo shirt. So I think he'll my beach body off. I think we'll end it there. It's been a sharper podcast than Zeke Elliott's brand new haircut going to the Patriots and looking the part. We hope you've enjoyed this preview of Fourth Smash of the AFC and NFC South. For Charles Patterson, Gordon McGuinness, my sidekick Cameron Hobbs. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. I think we should make the end of this podcast. We've reached the tipping point of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh...